Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. I had all this pressure on me being the first Black man to do this show in this big role, and I knew that if I fucked this up, I more than likely will have fucked it up for any Black man to come behind me. Stay tuned. We'll get into my opinions on The Real Housewives of Atlanta Season 6 right after these quick ads. Welcome to Reality with the King. It's me, Carlos King, the king of reality TV and one of the most sought-after executive producers in reality television with over 10 years of production experience. Twice a week on Reality with the King, we'll sit down with my friends across the entertainment industry, recap our favorite reality shows, and revisit unforgettable moments that we are still talking and tweeting about. So today's episode of Reality with the King is not going to be a recap episode. We are going to cover The Real Housewives of Atlanta Season 6. Yes, the season that you guys want me to talk about so much. The highest rated season ever in Bravo history. The most talked about season ever in terms of The Real Housewives franchise. And yes, the first season where I was the executive producer of the show. Hey, Raindrops. So today's episode of Reality with the King, I am going to talk about the most requested (laughs) topic that you, my Raindrops, have been requesting even before I started the podcast, but definitely after (laughs) I announced that I was doing a podcast. The Real Housewives of Atlanta Season 6 As Time Magazine put it, the greatest season of all time. So, recently, Time Magazine did this amazing feature about the 50 best seasons of reality television in history. And The Real Housewives of Atlanta Season 6 was on the list. Yes! Now, the reason why this season is so special to you guys is because, I mean, honey, it's the best season of every show on Bravo. So, of course, it's the best season of the Real Housewives franchise 
that ever existed on Earth, honey. That's why it's special to y'all. But it's also special to me because it's the first season where I was the executive producer of The Real Housewives. So I know all of you want to get all the the behind-the-scenes tea about that season. I know, I know. And the episode we titled Pillow Talk, where Nene Monique Johnson leaks once removed. (laughs) Yes, honey. Pillow Talk, where, you know, she had this amazing pajama jammy jam, and things went a little cray-cray. And all of you want me to give y'all my POV about what happened that fateful night in Atlanta, Georgia. Okay, so I'm going to talk about that. But first, I would like to get into what made The Real Housewives of Atlanta Season 6 not only the highest-rated season in Bravo history, but also what made it great. In order for you guys to understand that, I have to take it a step back. So, as you know, my raindrops, I've been a part of The Real Housewives of Atlanta since season one. I was an associate producer, and again, my job was responsible for the housewives I was assigned to. So season one, as you all know, it was NeNe Leakes and Deshaun Snow. And then season two, I was an associate producer again, and I was assigned, of course, NeNe Leakes, but they also gave your boy Kim Zosiak. Imagine a producer having NeNe and Kim <laughs> the same season at the same damn time. That's a whole nother episode for a whole nother day. Anyways, fast forward to season four, okay? So season four, I was the supervising producer. So I got a promotion. And I was so happy because I felt like, okay, you deserve this. You deserve this. You're great. You know, you put in work, Carlos King. Like, you know, like, this is it for you. This is, this is it. And then season five came rolling around. And at this point in my career, I wanted to have a different experience. I did not want to be known as, like, just the Real Housewives of Atlanta producer. You know, yes, I did two seasons of New Jersey Housewives, but I was always a part of the Atlanta franchise. And because I'm such a creative person, I just wanted a different experience. So I did not do season five of The Real Housewives of Atlanta. I left, I completed season four, and I went on to do another show, Atlanta. Now, prior to that, I was the executive producer of NeNe Leakes' wedding special. But I said to myself, okay, let me do the wedding special, and then, you know, let me go figure out other things. So a company, a production company, reached out to me and said, we have this show called Blood, Sweat, and Hills. It was taped in New York City about a group of Black women in New York City who were entrepreneurs, friends for the most part, but also just really about their business acumen. So I received the presentation tape while I was filming NeNe Leakes' wedding special. And at that time, I was like, okay, well, maybe after I 
complete Nene Leaks wedding special, I'll go ahead and, you know, I'll figure out something else. So when season six came back around, I was told by the production company and the network that they wanted to offer me the coveted executive producer position on The Real Housewives of Atlanta. Little did they know, I was watching this Blood, Sweat, and Hills presentation tape, and I was like, hmm, this could be interesting. It's an opportunity for me to work on a brand new show with a group of successful Black women in New York City, a city that I used to live in at the time. So I felt like, okay, I could do this. Melissa Ford was a part of the cast. She and I worked together when I worked at BET. You had Demetra Lucas, who was a part of the cast. She and I knew each other just by, you know, running the streets in New York City, you know, going to entertainment events and parties. So I was like, yo, I can really make blood, sweat, and heels like that girl. Like, this is a challenge for me. Like, I could do it. But then, <laughs> this was the gag of the gag, 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 gags. So everybody wanted me to do the Real Housewives of Atlanta. Even my agent over at CAA, who is still my agent today, he said, Carlos King, every single producer in the world wants to be the executive producer of the Real Housewives of Atlanta. And here you are. They are pretty much handing you the job. You don't have to interview for it. You don't have to do anything besides show up because... They understand the history that you have with these women, and they really want to be able to let you take on this new legacy. And the word they kept using was, they're looking for you to revolutionize this franchise. And because of your long relationships with these women, we all feel like you can do it. And guys, I I wasn't sold on it. I was like, nah, I really am checking for these blood, sweat, and heels, girls. And I don't know. I just want to do something different. And I told my agent, I said, you know what? I just don't want to be known as the guy who can only do housewives. Like, I want to be able to, like, spread my wings and fly, right? So one thing that everybody who knows me knows about me is I don't like being told what to do. Okay? That's a... um, That's a characteristic of mine. I I don't like being told what to do. So my agent knew that, and he said, look, I know you don't like being told what to do, so that's my advice, but think about it, because the network is expecting an answer from you. So I will never forget this. So if you guys follow me, you know I'm very spiritual. I pray to God multiple times a day, and I took a few days to think about it, and I don't know. I was just, I was conflicted. I was really conflicted. Yes, I love the girls and I love the show, but I just wanted a different experience. So I would never forget this. I was at a John Legend concert (laughs) at the Fox Theater in Atlanta. And my agent called me and said, tomorrow we have to give an answer to the network and the production company on whether or not you're going to be the executive producer of The Real Housewives of Atlanta season six. (sighs) So he calls me. I leave the theater. 
I walk over to the concession stand, got me some popcorn, child, because I'm so dramatic. And I call him back, and I ask him, I said, what do you think I should do? And he said, well, we all know you don't like being told what to do. <laughs> I said, I know, I know, I know, but listen, you're my agent. Your job is to give me some great advice. What do you think? He said, Carlos King, you are being handed this job. If you do this job and you do a great job, it will change your life forever. Yes, Blood, Sweat, and Hills looks like a great show. I get it. It's also a new show that doesn't have an audience yet. So you can either take the risk of hopping on something new or you can take the job that every single executive producer wants because everybody in the business knows if you can do Atlanta Housewives, oh baby, the floodgates of opportunities is going to open for you. And I said, okay. I said, call them tomorrow and let them know I'm going to do it. And he said, okay. And that's how I became the executive producer of The Real Housewives of Atlanta, season six. So here I am, guys. I'm on a high. Like, yes! Like, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. A week later, after I said yes to the dress, no, after I said yes to producing the show, I get a phone call that Kenya Moore was not going to return to the show. And baby... I gagged. Gagged. Because a part of me was like, let's be clear. I did the first four seasons, so I know the rest of the cast. But because I did not produce season five, Kenya Moore was that girl. And I wanted a taste of that action. So to hear that Kenya Moore was not going to come back, I'm like, I've been bamboozled. (laughs) Like, is there a season six without... Kenya? What's going on here? So I was nervous. So much so, your boy had to fly out to Los Angeles during the BET Awards. (laughs) Yes. I had to fly out to Los Angeles to meet with Kenya at Maestro's in Beverly Hills. And if you know anything about Maestro's, it's like the most expensive (laughs) steakhouse in all of California. So yes, Kenya has expensive taste. So I was told, please take Kenya out to dinner and see if you can talk to her to try to see if she can come back. So I sit across from this icon, this legend, the moment, and I'm from Detroit. And in Detroit, Michigan, where Kenya's also from, She is truly, like, the biggest star in Detroit next to Diana Ross. Like, Kenya is huge. She's a very big deal in Detroit. So here I am, sitting across from a hometown hero. I'm like, yes. Like, this is fantastic. And I'm like, Kenya, I only came back for you. (laughs) Like, we have to work together. So Kenya was just, you know, listen, Kenya's first season on season five, again, I don't work on season five. Kenya felt that her first season, you know, that's when social media started to become big. 
And she received a lot of, you know, shade and just conversation about her behavior. And she had a very, very, very rough season. It was her first season. And I promised her, I said, look, if you come back to the show, I promise that I'll hold your hand through this process and we'll get through this together. I got you, but I need you. Like, girl, I need you. So she said yes. Honey, that's all I needed to hear. Like, okay, I got Kenya Moore. Season six is about to be a lit uation. So I had all this pressure to make sure, again, Carlos, you have to revolutionize this season, okay? We're depending on you. And not only that, I knew at that time that I was going to be the first Black man to ever executive produce a Real Housewives franchise in general. And one thing about Black people, when we're younger, we're always told, like, you got to work twice as hard as your white counterparts because we don't have the same opportunities as them. And one thing that (laughs) is like a code in the Black community, if you're the first at something, you don't want to be the last, right? So one thing we always say is, if you're the first Black person at something and you do a bad job, we're always like, see, you've messed up for all the other Black people behind you because now they're not going to hire another Black person. So again, that's just stuff that we think about as Black people. So I had all this pressure on me being the first Black man to do this show in this big role. And I knew that if I fucked this up, I more than likely will have fucked it up for any Black man to come behind me. And again, it's not something that I was told. This is something that inherently in the Black culture we think about in in our community when we are at a certain level in our respective careers. It's something we think about. As any successful Black person, we all think that way and still do. So I had all this pressure on me, and I just wanted to make sure that I did a great job. So courtesy of me having a relationship with the housewives, I knew that if I just sat them down and said, look, let's make a great season, I'm all about personal story. Yes, it's cute to throw shade and all that stuff, but that is not what's going to make people tune in week to week. I want this season to be the season where people are on the edge of their seats because they are getting personal story from you ladies. No one cares about the booty implants allegations. No one cares about, you know, I read you, like, no one cares about that. Like, that's a cute moment that can go viral. But the way I produce, I'm like, no, we have to talk about real-life issues. So I remember talking to Phaedra and Apollo, like, y'all got to start talking about what's really happening in this household. It can't just be these funny sayings here and there. Like, no, let's really get down to the root of the issue that you two are facing in y'all marriage. And Phaedra understood the assignment and she killed it in the sense of being honest and being open. That scene where Phaedra and Apollo had dinner and Apollo made these crazy allegations about Kenya coming to his hotel. And do y'all remember when Phaedra had her steak knife? (laughs) And she gave you a good old Glenn Close moment from Fatal Attraction, honey, where she had that knife looking at Apollo and said something along the lines of, I can cut your throat right now. Yes! Like, 
That's the stuff that I knew was going to resonate to a large audience. Black, white, Asian, Latina, wherever. I knew that that sort of story was going to be rich in value for the audience. It's getting good. And you know I hate to interrupt, but I'll be right back after these quick ads. This is Reality with the King. And I'm Carlos King. Let's get back into my opinions on The Real Housewives of Atlanta, season six. Season six was also the season where Portia, then Stewart, was going through the divorce proceedings with Cordell. And I enjoyed Portia her first season, which was also season five. I remember talking to the producers because as I was in the conversation of doing NeNe Leakes' wedding special and preparing for that, they asked me if I could help around with a season five reunion. Now, mind you, I didn't produce season five, but they felt like, okay, look, you know these girls, we're trying to get you to come back for season six, honey. So why not just help produce the reunion for season five? So I was there for that, and I remember talking to the executives and saying like, oh, I love Portia. Because there were conversations about whether or not Portia should come back. And I was like, hey, as somebody who did not work on season five, and I actually, you know, watched the season, so I'm on the outside looking in, I think Portia is just getting started. I said, I don't think Portia has truly shown everything she is. And I am fascinated with Portia. And I'm like, I really do think we all should give Portia a chance. You know, if I come and produce season six, like, I, I want Portia back too. I just think there's something about her, this innocence she has in those beautiful brown eyes that I'm like, I don't know, there is something about her. I just, I just think we should give her another chance. I was fighting for Portia. And, um, honey, Portia gave. Portia gave in her interviews. Portia, when she said, I'm talking woman to woman, referring to her ex, baby, girl, I was here for all of Portia. And the fact that she was going through this very tumultuous divorce at a very bad time in her life, it was real. And that was the thing. It was like, I kept telling the producers, like, honey, follow Portia wherever she goes. Because we are following a woman who's going through this divorce to a public figure. And we have to see that. Portia had more scenes taped than anybody because Portia was unraveling right before our eyes. And because Portia is so great, she allowed us to document every step of the way. Every step of the way. Portia was phenomenal, season six. Like, everything. Everything. It was so real and so raw and so relatable. And then... We get to Pillow Talk. Yes, Pillow Talk. (sighs) So one thing about Nene, who is also a ghost producer, and yes, a force multiplier. (laughs) Yes, Nene Leaks. Nene pitched this idea of having a pajama party with the cast. And remember, her and Greg just got back together. I did their wedding special, and I want to say a week after Nene got married, we started taping season six of Atlanta Housewives. So her and Greg was in this honeymoon phase, and Nene was like, look, I really want to invite the cast to have, 
you know, this pajama party. We're going to call it Pillow Talk because it's an opportunity for us to get to know the couples in a very sexy way. And she said, Carlos, it's such a fun time. We should do it. And I'm like, okay, let's do it. So we have Monique, Monique. So Monique was married to Chuck, and Chuck went to school with Phaedra and Nene in Athens. So we invited Monique and Chuck, and then we also invited R&B star Christopher Williams. Don't wake me, I'm dreaming. Yes, Christopher Williams. I love this song. So we had Christopher Williams and his wife, Natalie. Because my thing was, well, honey, I want to see all the couples, not just the peach holders and their husbands, I want to see all the couples because my biggest thing was Natalie and Monique was so integrated into the women's business that Chuck and Christopher Williams was also integrated not only in the men's business, but the women's business too. And I wanted season six to be more about the couples and less about just the cattiness with the girls. I'm like, you're going to get that just by circumstance. But I want this season to be where the men have a voice. And that's when you saw for the first time the men were doing interviews. And I remember sitting down with, again, Peter, Todd, Apollo, Greg, may he rest in peace. And the rest of the guys like, yo, I really want y'all to have a voice. Y'all are going to film more this season. I'm going to make sure that you guys are involved as much as possible because that's just how couples are. Couples are involved in each other's businesses, period. So I knew this Pillow Talk event was going to be interesting because I wanted the men to have a voice. What I did not know is that (laughs) a big brawl was going to happen. I was not ready for that. I was not prepared for that. It was a very long night. We were at a hotel suite in Atlanta And what you guys saw was maybe, what, 20 minutes, if that, of the event. We were there for like three to four hours. It was a very, very, very long night. Nene was not happy because Kenya was late. And this season, there was something interesting going on with the battle of the force multipliers. (laughs) Nene and Kenya had this very interesting relationship. You know, it started off with them being frenemies because remember, in the season premiere of season six, that's when Cynthia had this white party. Kenya felt slighted that Nene would invite her ex-boyfriend Walter to the wedding. And that's when Nene told Kenya, no bitch is going to tell me who and who I cannot invite, honey. Right? And yeah, that whole thing happened. But then Nene and Kenya made up immediately. And that's when Nene was trying to get Kenya back integrated with the group. So on this night at the hotel, Kenya was late. I think she had to fly back to LA a few days before that. Her flight came in late. She had to go home and changing her lingerie attire because everybody had to wear lingerie and pajamas. And Nene was irritated. She was very, very irritated. And for me, I'm like, okay, this is when it's less about her being late. And I think it's more so about 
the fact that who does Kenya think she is that she gets to walk into any event late? We're all housewives. We're all here. We all came in on time. Why does Kenya get to be late? But in Kenya's defense, her flight, you know, landed late and she had to go change clothes. But again, that's when as a producer, I was like, this has nothing to do with me. And it has everything to do with this fight for position of who's the star of the show. Let's just be, let's just be real. Season six was all about who is a star, Kenya or Nene. And, and you can ask any housewife that season, that pillow talk fight was more so about who is the star of season six, period, point, in the blank. And yes, I said what I said. I felt that Nene and Kenya's biggest issue had more to do with, like, who's the queen of the show, period. And that attitude, I would say, spilled out into the scene. So when Kenya walked in, (laughs) what y'all didn't see was Nene was very irritated, like very irritated, because she wanted to, of course, make sure that the event started off, right? And rightfully so, and I get it. I've hosted parties before. Anybody who's late, it does irritate you because it's sort of like, well, bitch, who are you to be late to my party? So I understood what Nene was going through. So Kenya walks in, and baby, when Nene, Monique, Johnson, Leakes, once removed, slammed the door in Kenya's face, and then Kenya opened up the door and said, hey, and Nene goes, hey, bitch, and then Kenya goes, you look fabulous. And then Nene goes, you don't. <laughs> and then Kenya goes, oh, honey, I always look fabulous. And Nene goes, you think you look fabulous, but you really don't. And <laughs> me and the producers were laughing our butts off. Because nothing to me is more funny than seeing two people go at it in a comical way. And that's the beauty of that show. It was always fun shade that made me giggly. Like, I like fun shade. Because I think you have to have a certain level of knowledge and intelligence and personality to not go dark. But to to do fun shade? Oh, baby, sign me up for fun shade all day long. I loved it. So all the other housewives knew at that moment, this is going to be a very long night. So as Kenya got settled and Nene complimented her big titties, as she called it, Nene played a game. So let me explain this. Because Nene waited hours for Kenya to arrive, the game that Nene wanted to play was stalled. So when Kenya came with her friend Brandon, she wanted to make sure that the couples could play the game. So the game had to do with these random questions about couples, what you can do, what you cannot do. And then all of a sudden, it became apparent that Kenya and Natalie plus Christopher had this weird vibe. And Nene caught the vibe, and she wanted to address it. Because again, as the host, you want to address it. And I get that, because I'm a host (laughs) of a podcast, a late-night show, Amber Unions. So yes, as a host, your job is to ask questions. So that's what Nene was doing. And, and let's be clear, Nene was doing her job, period. So 
we did not know that Nene calling out the weird vibe between Christopher, Natalie, and Kenya would involve Kenya, who used an epic line, an epic clapback to Natalie. When Natalie said, oh, Kenya, don't backpedal, and Kenya got up out of her seat and said, oh, baby, this isn't backpedaling, it's front pedaling. Yes! <laughs> Come on, Wordsmith. That's how you clear a boop. Yes. Loved it. Loved it. Who says that? Honey, this isn't backpedaling. It's front pedaling. I love everything about it. It was just juicy, funny, and just, it was everything. Yes. So... When Kenya got up out of her seat, we didn't think that, okay, a big fight would break out. None of us saw that coming. Period. None of us saw that coming. So we were all surprised that Kenya getting up out of her seat, where her friend Brandon was obviously defending his girl, would result in Peter trying to constrain Brandon, and Brandon is there to defend his sister, and then Apollo stepped in, and tried to defuse the situation. And I think because Brandon was obviously being touched by two men, he didn't know what was going on, and he's pushing back. And then all of a sudden, Apollo and Brandon started to fight, which was super weird. And that's when all the producers left the control room that we were having in in another um, room in the suite and tried to defuse it. We did not see this coming. We were all gagged and surprised and like, what the fuck is happening? Like, this isn't what we thought was going to happen. And to see Apollo have multiple punches thrown at Brandon and to see how we were all trying to defuse it, it was like, oh my gosh, what is happening here? And as the executive producer of the show, I want to make sure that everybody was safe. So we all just like, if you, if you watch it, we're all just holding people. So when you see these random people holding the housewives and cast members, and you see Chuck hiding behind Monique, we're just trying to make sure that everything's okay. Period. Like, we're not trying to do anything. Like, we're trying to defuse it. But we also know that we're shooting a show, so the camera guys kept documenting it as they should. They're there to document everything that's happening. So we were focused, and when I say we, I mean the producers. We were focused on making sure that Brandon and Apollo were separated. And that was it for us. There was a conversation that the cast members had with me, Carlos King. And they were like, we don't want to be fighting on this show. And I'm thinking to myself, and I said this after I thought about it, because I do speak my mind. I said to them, oh, I know... Y'all ain't about to blame me for this. Y'all got me fucked up. If you think for a second I'm responsible for grown people acting this way, like, stop it. Are you kidding me? Well, you know, we just ain't used to this. And I said, and I am? I did the first four seasons. I ain't used to this shit either. I'm used to Sheree locking Nene out the gate. You know, when she can't get into her party, honey. Now, I am used to Sheree shifting Kim's wig. But I'm not used to this brawl. Like, don't play me. But 
it was a conversation where we all just felt the need to just sit down and reflect on like, okay, what happened? Because one thing when you are involved in any intense situation, you want to get down to the root of it. And I think just by, listen, let's just be real. I don't think any of them wanted to take responsibility for what happened, as we saw in the later episodes. Nobody wanted to take responsibility for it. So, of course, you had cast members blaming cast members. You have people, of course, blaming producers. Because, again, God forbid something happens, child. It's the producer's fault. Yeah, boring. It was more about the fact that people had an issue with each other. And it is debatable that if Kenya did not get out of her seat, would all of this have happened? That was such a debate that a historically Black college in Atlanta had this topic of discussion in one of their media classes, okay? A professor at an HBCU in Atlanta who taught media studies, we learned that she had the topic of the day be who's responsible for pillow talk fight, Nini or Kenya? Baby, if that ain't epic... I mean, the fact that that scene was discussed at the college level is is just amazing to me because it goes to show you that it has less to do about, oh, let's point fingers about it. It had everything to do about human behavior and social circumstances. And that, to me, is why, yes, listen, people like to see a train wreck, and I get that. But I think the reason why Pillow Talk is the highest rated episode of season six, in addition to how some people will always call that the best reality scene in history, is because it was more about the scenarios that took place and and truly who was responsible for it. It's sort of like a Shonda Rhimes scandal moment, right? Where you're sort of like, here's the evidence, here's what the prosecution is saying, here's what the defendants are saying, And this is what really happened. You know, is there a shadow of a doubt that is a part of human nature to really blame somebody for something because that's just the world we live in? Now, as someone who was there, I truly don't blame one person. I think what happened was you had a room full of couples. And some of these people did not get along. And obviously, Kenya and Natalie were not seeing eye to eye. And Christopher Williams was trying to defend his wife. Brandon was trying to defend his best friend slash sister. And then I think everybody's, you know, emotions were just heightened because of that. I still don't understand why Apollo and Brandon got into that brawl. I don't know if if Apollo felt that Brandon in defending himself hit him the wrong way, or got a punch in. I don't know. But it it really did show you that anything can happen. And the beauty of that moment, to me, is the fact that it happened. We had one conversation, meaning the, the housewives and the men. They had one conversation about it afterwards. Remember when the next episode, when they were in the nail salon? And Kenya and Nini got into it about responsibility. But they talked about it. And guys, 
we never brought it up again. That was it. That was it. Because we have more shit to do. That, to me, will always be the beauty of Pillow Talk. Is the fact that it was a, it was a very dark moment, but we did not allow that moment to define the rest of the season. And when I look at certain shows where every episode they do a pillow talk child, meaning a fight happens, and it's the it's the main story for the entire season, I'm happy that those six peach holders and their husbands were able to talk about it address it, and move on. And that's why season six will forever go down in history as the best season in Atlanta Housewives history and the history of the franchise because we had a lot of story to tell. And that's what I do miss about the show where you have multiple personal stories that were relatable to a massive audience. My hope is that as we reflect on the amazing season six of The Real Housewives of Atlanta, where Time Magazine called it one of the top 50 best seasons in reality TV history, I hope that we all can see why. And it's my hope that the show can get back to that. It was so fun going back down memory lane with you guys, and I hope it was all worth the wait. Yes, to recap, that very epic season was such a joy, and I gave you all the tea about Pillow Talk, but I want to hear from you guys. So tweet me, hashtagging reality with the king. And let me know what's your favorite moment from season six. And don't forget, you can watch The Real Housewives of Atlanta every Sunday night, 8 o'clock, 7 central on Bravo. Reality with the King is a production of More Sauce by Stitcher. It is executive produced by me, Carlos King, and Jasmine Henley-Brown. We are also produced by Lashik Lotus-Lee and LaPortia Thomas. Additional production support by Corinne Wallace. Engineering and music by Marcus Hamm. More sauce.